Warning, the podcast you are about to listen to will contain detailed plot spoilers. If you do not wish to have the movie ruined for you, I recommend turning the podcast off now. Also, the podcast will contain graphic and explicit language. If you don't think your ears can handle it, turn the podcast off and go change your tampon. You have been warned. Welcome to the Movie Pit Podcast, presented by RMJ Media. Welcome back to the Movie Pit Podcast, to the retrospective journey through the cinematic kaleidoscope that was 2023. I'm Boozer, your guide through the year that unfolded with a diverse array of films, each offering a unique blend of emotions, genres, and narratives. As we bid adieu to 2023, it's time to dissect the cinematic offerings that grace the silver screen, separating the standout moments from the forgettable ones. The past year saw the emergence of captivating stories, thrilling adventures, and unexpected narratives that left an indelible mark on audiences around the globe. The world of film proved its brilliance once again, providing a canvas for storytellers to weave intricate tells that resonated with viewers of all tastes. Whether it was a psychological exploration, a return to a familiar horror franchise, or a daring twist on a beloved childhood character, 2023 had something to offer every cinephile. Now as we step into the pit, the task at hand is to navigate through the multitude of releases, recognizing the exceptional and acknowledging the missteps. The cinematic journey of 2023 is a nuanced exploration where personal preference intersect with critical analysis, forming a mosaic of diverse cinematic experiences. Before we plunge into the intricacies of the best and worst films of the year, let's take a moment to acknowledge the global impact that these films had on the box office. The universal appeal of storytelling transcends borders and languages, creating a shared cultural experience that brought audiences from different corners of the world together. The box office numbers reflect not just financial success, but also the ability of films to connect with audiences on a profound level. As we delve into the cinematic landscape of 2023, it's essential to recognize the impact these films had globally, shaping conversations and leaving an imprint on the collective consciousness. So without further ado, let's shift our focus to the cream of the cinematic crop, the best films of 2023 as determined by their global resonance and artistic merit are ready to take center stage. Join us as we unravel the tapestry of storytelling excellence and celebrate the cinematic triumphs that defined a remarkable year in film. Now let's start our journey with a look at the best films via the worldwide box office. Kicking off our countdown at number 10 is this pint-sized hero's latest adventure. Ant-Man and Wasp Quantumania entertained audience with its blend of humor, heart, and mind-bending quantum escapades. As the quantum realm expanded its mysteries, this installment proved that the Ant-Man franchise continued to pack a punch, securing its spot among the top-grossing films of the year. Breaking through the cinematic landscape at number 9 is Elemental. This enigmatic film immersed audiences in a world where elements themselves took center stage. With stunning visuals and a narrative that transcended the ordinary, Elemental showcased the power of storytelling and transporting viewers to realms where nature itself became a character, weaving a tale that resonated with fans and contributed to its box office success. Coming in at number 8, Tom Cruise returned with a bang in Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. 
The eighth installment of the iconic franchise delivered exhilarating action sequences, jaw-dropping stunts, and a plot that kept audiences on the edge of their seats. As Ethan Hunt faced new adventures, the film solidified its place as one of the year's box office triumphs, setting the stage for more impossible missions to come. Diving in the, the seventh spot is The Enchanting Tale of the Little Mermaid. This live-action adaptation brought the beloved animated classic to life, enchanting audiences with its visual splendor and a fresh take on the underwater kingdom. As Ariel's journey unfolded on the big screen, The Little Mermaid made waves at the box office, proving that fairy tales continue to captivate audiences of all ages. Swinging into the sixth spot is the web-slinging spectacle Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. The animated sequel dazzled audiences with its vibrant visuals, multiverse intrigue, and the return of fan-favorite characters. As Spider-Man navigated through dimensions, the film not only delighted fans, but also swung its way to a noteworthy spot on the box office charts. Roaring into the fifth spot is the adrenaline-fueled extravaganza, Fast X. The Fast and Furious franchise continue its high-octane legacy, delivering pulse-pounding action, breathtaking car chases, and a story that pushed the boundaries of vehicular mayhem. As the franchise accelerated into its tenth installment, Fast X left an undiable mark on the box office, proving that the need for speed remained stronger than ever. Rocking it into the fourth position is the cosmic odyssey, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Star-Lord and gang return to another intergalactic adventure, blending humor, heart, and a killer soundtrack. With its signature mix of quirky characters and epic space battles, the Guardians once again soar to a box office success, solidifying their place as one of Marvel's most beloved franchises. Securing the bronze medal in the third spot on our countdown is the historical drama Oppenheimer. This thought-provoking film delved into the complexities of history, offering a compelling story, meticulous direction, and stellar performances. As Oppenheimer unfolded onto the big screen, it not only entertained, but also challenged audiences, earning its place as one of the year's top-grossing films and a critical darling. Bounding into the second spot is the iconic duo, the Super Mario Brothers. This long-awaited cinematic adventure brought everyone's favorite plumber and his brother back to the big screen in a visually stunningly charming spectacle. As Mario and Luigi embarked on a new quest, the film leaped into the hearts of audiences, securing its place as a blockbuster hit and a testament to the enduring appeal of these beloved video game characters. Crowning our list at number one is the unexpected queen of the box office, Barbie. This live-action adaptation defined expectations, proving that the iconic doll could command the big screen with style and substance. With a mix of humor, empowerment, and a touch of nostalgia, Barbie not only dominated the box office, but also sparked conversations about representation and inclusivity in cinema. In conclusion, the top 10 films by Box Office for 2023 offered a diverse array of cinematic experiences, from animated adventures to historical dramas and action-packed blockbusters. Each film on this list contributed to the rich tapestry of storytelling that divined this year in cinema. It's important to note that while these films achieved box office success, personal preferences may vary, and none of these films make my personal lists of the best or the worst. Brace yourselves for an immersive experience as we delve into my meticulously crafted selections, the top 10 overall worst films, top 10 best non-horror movies, and the top 10 best horror movies. Let the cinematic odyssey begin, starting with the cream of the crop, the top 10 best non-horror movies of 2023. Coming in at number 10, Silent Night, the 2023 American action thriller directed by John Woo 
ventures into uncharted territory with its intriguing choice of a film with zero dialogue. The film, nestled at the 10th spot in the cinematic journey, presents a departure from Wu's signature style, making it a noteworthy addition to his repertoire. Joe Kinnaman leads the cast with a compelling performance as a grieving father, seeking retribution against a ruthless gang following the tragic death of a son in a Christmas Eve drive-by. The film's narrative unfolds against the backdrop of limited spoken dialogue, a stylistic choice that sets it apart within the action thriller genre. While Silent Night managed to secure its place in the top 10, it teeters on the edge, earning its spot by the skin of its teeth. The departure from Moon's traditional filmmaking style is palpable, leaving audiences with a sense of admiration for the director's willingness to experiment. Despite the film's deviation from the expected John Woo flair, it successfully engages viewers in a suspenseful tale of revenge, propelled by Kinnaman's compelling portrayal. Filmed in Mexico City, the cinematic venture marks Woo's return to Hollywood after nearly two decades, adding an extra layer of significance to the project. Silent Night may not entirely embody the essence of a classic John Woo film, but its uniqueness and the director's willingness to push boundaries make it a distinctive entry in the realm of action thrillers. As we navigate through the top 10 films of 2023, Silent Night stands as a testament to the director's versatility in the evolving landscape of the cinematic storytelling. Coming in at number 9, Poor Things, the 2023 science fiction black comedy directed by Yorgos Lathamos unfolds as a cinematic enigma that lingers in the mind long after the credits roll. Claiming it this ninth position on our exploration of the top films in 2023, this peculiar creation draws parallels to the distinctive style of filmmaker Lars von Trier, infusing elements of humor, fantasy, and a deliberate pace that characterized Lanthimos' style. Based on Alastair Gray's 1992 novel, the film boasts an ensemble cast featuring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, Willem Dafoe, and more. It introduces us to Bella Baxter, a Victorian woman resurrected by a scientist after her tragic suicide. Bella's unconventional journey takes an unexpected turn as she joins forces with a debauched lawyer embarking on a voyage of self-discovery and sexual liberation. Poor Things is a cinematic oddity inducing laughter amidst its peculiar narrative. The director navigates through the eccentricities of the story with finesse, infusing a dark comedic touch reminiscent of his previous works. The film's deliberate pacing may challenge some viewers with its length and unhurried rhythm, akin to, the, like I said, a Lars von Trier experience. While Poor Things may not conform to conventional expectations, its inherent strangeness becomes its strength. Emma Stone's performance adds depth to the eccentric character of Bella Baxter, and the rest of the ensemble cast contributes to the film's unique charm. As we delve deeper into the top films of the year, Poor Things invites audiences into a world where the boundaries of humor and fantasy blur, leaving us with an indelible cinematic impression. Fast Charlie claims the eighth spot on our cinematic exploration, emerges as a rollicking hitman comedy that hits on all notes. Directed by Philip Noyce and propelled by a script penned by Richard Wick, this 2023 American action thriller elevates the genre with a hysterically captivating performance by Pierce Brosnan. Brosnan, in a total badass mode, delivers a standout portrayal infusing charisma and humor into this role. As a hitman, he masterfully balances the lethal and the comedic, providing audiences with precisely what I desire from this subgenre. The film's narrative, adapted from Victor Gisler's 2001 novel Gun Monkeys, serves as a solid foundation for the action-packed escapades. James Caan, in his final film appearance, 
adds a touch of gravitas to the ensemble cast, complementing the dynamics alongside Brosnan. Morena Baccarin rounds out the trio, contributing to the film's overall chemistry. Fast Charlie is a delightful blend of wit, action, and Brosnan's magnetic on-screen presence. Noyce's direction ensures that the film maintains a brisk pace, keeping viewers engaged in the unfolding chaos. As the eighth entry on our cinematic countdown, Fast Charlie proves that a hitman comedy can be thrilling and uproariously funny, leaving audiences craving more of the intoxicating mix Brosnan brings to the table. Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, the much-anticipated fifth and films series, takes the seventh position in our cinematic journey. Directed by James Mangold and co-written by David Cope, Jez Butterworth, and John Henry Butterworth, this film effectively erases the lingering taste of its predecessor, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, from our cinematic palettes. Set in 1969, the movie follows the legendary Indiana Jones, portrayed once again by Harrison Ford, alongside the return of John Reese davies as Sala and Karen Allen as Marion Ravenwood. The addition of the new cast members, including Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Antonio Banderas, and Mads Mikkelsen, injects fresh energy into the narrative. As Indian as estranged goddaughter Helena, played by Waller-Bridge, embark on a quest to secure a powerful art artifact, the film explores themes of legacy and the consequences of meddling with history. Mangold's direction seamlessly blends adventure, humor, and suspense, offering a fitting farewell to the beloved franchise. Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny not only serves as a redemption for the series, but also leaves fans hoping that this final installment marks the conclusion of Indy's adventures on a high note, avoiding any future missteps. As the seventh entry in our countdown, this film pays homage to the iconic character, ushering in a new era for fans to savor. A Man Called Otto securing the sixth spot in our journey brings a heartwarming and humorous tale of redemption, expertly helmed by Mark Forster. This 2003 American comedy drama remake of the Swedish film A Man Called Ove transcends cultural boundaries with a standout performance by Tom Hanks in the title role. Hanks excels in the portrayal of the archetypical get-off-my-lawn grouchy old man, infusing Otto with depth, charm, and a touch of vulnerability. His magnetic presence ensures that the character's evolution resonates authentically, making the audience both chuckle and reflect on the intricacies of aging and human connection. The film, based off Frederick Backman's 2012 novel, introduces us to Otto's world, a carungulous existence that takes an unexpected turn when he finds himself reluctantly drawn into the lives of his neighbors. Mariana Trevino, Rachel Keller, and Manuel Garcia Ruffalo provide stellar st supporting performances, adding layers to the story. Forrester's direction strikes a delicate balance between humor and poignant moments, capturing the essence of the original while infusing the story with a fresh American perspective. A Man Called Otto not only pays homage to its sweetest predecessor, but also stands as a testament to the universal themes of compassion and human connection. As the sixth entry on our list, A Man Called Otto is a delightful journey that transcends generational gaps leaving audiences with a renewed appreciation for the transformative power of unlikely friendships and the inherent warmth that resides beneath even the crustiest exteriors. John Wick Chapter 4, the fifth entry on our countdown, continues the adrenaline-fueled saga of everyone's favorite assassin, portrayed once again by the incomparable Keanu Reeves. Directed and co-produced by Chad Stilinski, this neo-noir action thriller extends the John Wick franchise 
maintaining its reputation for intense action sequences and gripping story. While serving as a solid installment, Chapter 4 stretches its runtime, tipping the scales a little on the longer side. However, what it may lack in brevity, it compensates with in heart-pounding action that has become synonymous with the franchise. Stileski's direction ensures that every fight scene is a meticulously choreographed ballet of bullets and fists, showcasing the prowess of both Reeves and the ensemble cast. The film introduces new faces to the John Wick universe, with Donnie Yen, Bill Skarsgård, and others joining the star-studded lineup. The plot revolves around Wick seeking revenge on the enigmatic high table and those who betrayed it, leaving audiences with ample questions and anticipation for the franchise's future. With a budget of $100 million, Chapter 4 managed to rake in an impressive $440 million at the box office, a testament to the franchise's unwavering popularity. As the fifth entry on our countdown, John Wick Chapter 4 delivers on expectations of fans, providing a thrilling ride that sets the stage for further exploration into the shadowy underworld that Wick navigates with lethal precision. Haunted Mansion, claiming the fourth spot on our list, finally gives the iconic theme park attraction the cinematic treatment it deserves. Directed by Justin Simeon, this American supernatural horror comedy surpasses its 2003 predecessor, delivering a lighthearted yet spooky homage to the famed ride. Starring a stellar ensemble cast including Lakeith Stanfield, Tiffany Haddish, Owen Wilson, Danny DeVito, Rosario Dawson, Danny Levy, Jamie Lee Curtis, and Jared Leto. The film weaves a tale of Gabby and Travis, enlisting a team to exercise the ghosts around them. Simeon's direction strikes a delicate balance, infusing humor suitable for all ages while paying homage to the haunted allure of the theme park attraction. With a production budget of $150 million, Haunted Mansion grossed $117.5 million worldwide. The film's U.S. and Canada release faced competition from Barbie and Oppenheimer, debuting to $24.1 million. Despite falling short of the 2003's film's opening, Variety noted its Halloween-esque appeal. The film's subsequent 62% drop-off in the second week was a setback, but its overall box office performance reflects a resonating interest in this supernatural comedy. Haunted Mansion succeeds in reviving the essence of the ride, delivering scares suitable for audiences of all ages. Simeon's vision coupled with the outstanding performances elevate this adaptation beyond its predecessor, making it a delightful and haunting addition to the legacy of films inspired by Disney's iconic theme park attractions. No Hard Feelings storms into the third position on our list, bringing a refreshing wave of raunchy humor reminiscent of classics like Porky's and American Pie. Directed by Gene Stepinski, this American sex comedy injects vitality back into the genre, offering a comedic escapade led by the dynamic Jennifer Lawrence and Andrew Barth Feldman. Set against a budget of $45 million, No Hard Feelings successfully grossed $87.3 million worldwide, marking a triumphant return for the raunchy, sex-driven comedy to the big screen. The film unfolds with Lawrence in the spotlight, portraying a character hired by a wealthy couple to introduce their inexperienced son, played by Feldman, to the complexities of romance. Stepinski, along with the co-writer John Phillips, orchestrates a narrative that balances explicit humor with genuine heart. Jennifer Lawrence, who also served as producer, delivers a standout performance infusing her character with charisma and a comedic flair that propels the film forward. Andrew Feldman compliments Lawrence with his undeering portrayal of the inexperienced son navigating the awkward landscape of adult relationships. The ensemble cast, including Laura Bonatti, Natalie Morales, and Matthew Broderick, adds layers to the comedic tapestry. The film's box office performance reflects its audience's appeal 
grossing $50.5 million in the U.S. and Canada and an additional $36.8 in other territories. The opening weekend alongside Asteroid City exceeded expectations by debuting at $15 million. Even in its subsequent weeks, the film demonstrated resilience with a 48% drop considering a very solid hold in the post-COVID marketplace. What sets No Hard Feelings apart is not just its box office success, but its strategic move to Netflix, where it continued to thrive. On October 22, 2023, the film landed on the streaming platform, quickly claiming the title of the most streamed title of the week, with 1.1 billion minutes viewed during the week of October 23rd through the 29th. The film's success on Netflix affirmed its broad demographic appeal, attracting viewers across the 18 to 64 age groups. No Hard Feelings rejuvenates the sex comedy genre, proving that a well-crafted blend of humor, heart, and explicit content can captivate audiences both in theaters and on streaming platforms. With its bold approach and stellar performances, this film marks a triumphant return for the genre that has been notably absent from the cinematic landscape in recent years. The Equalizer 3, claiming the second spot in our countdown, delivers a riveting conclusion to the trilogy's seamlessly blending vigilante action with Denzel Washington's unparalleled performance. Directed by Antoine Fuqua, this American vigilante action thriller serves as both a continuation and a crescendo, elevating the stakes for Robert McCall, portrayed once again by the charismatic Denzel Washington. Washington's portrayal of McCall, a retired U.S. Marine and DIA officer, remains a cornerstone of the film's success. In Equalizer 3, McCall's journey takes him to a small town in South Italy where he discovers that his newfound friends are oppressed by the menacing grip of the Camaro. Washington's performance transcends the physicality of the action genre, evoking a complex character whose care for others is as palpable as the internal battle against his own rage. The director skillfully weaves together a story that resonates with fans of the series, maintaining the essence of the vigilante narrative while introducing new challenges for McCall. The film's 109-minute runtime is a tight and well-paced exploration of McCall's quest for justice, infusing cathartic action sequences that cater to the expectations of the genre. With a budget of $70 million, The Equalizer 3 successfully navigated the fine line between a formulaic story and the desire for cathartic action. Earning positive reviews, Rotten Tomatoes reflects a 76% approval from critics, praising Fuqua and Washington for delivering another entertaining outing. The website's consensus captures the film's essence, acknowledging its formulaic aspects while highlighting the generous servings of cathartic action. The critical reception echoes the sentiment of mixed but generally positive reviews, with a 58 out of 100 on Metacritic. Audiences, however, embrace awarding it an A on CinemaScore and an overall 90% positive score on PostTrack. The film's ability to resonate with viewers, coupled with Washington's commanding presence, showcases its success in connecting with its audience. The Equalizer 3 not only reaffirms the chemistry between Fuqua and Washington, but also serves as a testament to the enduring appeal of vigilante action as the trilogy concludes. McCall's character achieves a balance between the intense action sequences and the quieter moments, making this installment a fitting end to a series that has consistently delivered on its promise of engaging, if not cathartic, action storytelling. Still, a Michael J. Fox movie ascends to the pinnacle of our cinematic exploration, claiming the coveted position as the number one non-horror film. Directed by Davis Guggenheim, this American documentary is a poignant and profound journey into the life of the beloved actor Michael J. Fox, laying bare his struggle with Parkinson's disease. 
the film which premiered at the 2023 Sundance Film Festival on January 20th, before its release on Apple TV Plus on May 12th, unveils a deeply personal side of Michael J. Fox that many may have never witnessed. Clocking in at a concise 95 minutes, the documentary is a testament to the power of storytelling, providing an intimate and emotional exploration of Fox's life. Guggenheim's direction, coupled with cinematography of C. Kim Miles, crafts a visually comparing narrative that transcends the screen. The decision to let a camera into Fox's life is a surprising and courageous choice, as it peels back the layers of the actor's public persona, revealing vulnerabilities and moments of resilience. The cinematography captures both fragility and strength of Fox, creating a visual language that resonates with the emotional core of the documentary. John Powell's musical composition enhances the emotional resonance, guiding the audience through the highs and lows of Fox's journey. The synergy between visuals and music is a poignant backdrop to the narrative, complementing the storytelling without overpowering the raw authenticity of the subject matter. Michael Hardy's editing navigates the delicate balance between reflection and momentum, ensuring that each moment contributes to the larger narrative arc. The pacing of the documentary allows for a comprehensive exploration of Fox's life, avoiding the pitfalls of either lingering too long on specific aspects or rushing through the complexity of his experiences. Released on Apple TV+, still garnered widespread acclaim, winning the award for Best Documentary Film from the National Board of Review. Its recognition extended to the 75th Primetime Emmy Awards, where it received seven nominations, including Outstanding Documentary or Nonfiction Special, attesting the impact it had on both audiences and critics. The reception on Rotten Tomatoes stands at an impressive 99% positive reviews from 149 critics, with an average rating of 8.2 out of 10. The consensus encapsulates the film's emotional resonance, describing it as poignant and profound, offering a captivating inside look at the life and career of the beloved entertainer. Metacritic echoes the sentiment, assigning the documentary a score of 78 out of 100 based on 34 critics, indicating generally favorable reviews. Still, a Michael J. Fox movie is not merely a documentary. It's a testament to the enduring spirit of the beloved figure, a celebration of vulnerability, and a cinematic journey that touches the heart, as our number one non-horror film stands as a beacon of storytelling excellence, leaving an indelible mark on the landscape of documentary filmmaking. Now, before we proceed with our remaining lists, let's take a brief intermission, and we will be right back. December 31st, 1999. The end of a century. The end of a millennium. The beginning of the end. He's coming for you, Christine. Can you see him? Who are you? How do you know my name? He's gonna find you, Christine. Guys. They tried to kill me. Why? 
just been chosen. Chosen for what? If the Dark Angel consummates your flesh as this human body before midnight on New Year's Eve, then he unlocks the gate of hell. Ah! to defeat me when I am forever and you are just a man. We are back, and that means it's time to get into the worst movies of the year. This will include every genre. Let's not waste any more time and get the shit show started. The Flash unfortunately finds itself on the bottom of this list, and my anticipation for this film was met with a sense of disappointment. Despite the welcome return of Michael Keaton as Batman, his presence couldn't salvage the film for its overall lackluster execution, a recurring issue in many DC comic movies. Directed by Andy Muschietti and boasting a star-studded cast including Ezra Miller, Sasha Kelly, Michael Shannon, Ron Livingston, Mary Bell Verdue, and the aforementioned Michael Keaton. The Flash unfolds as the 13th installment in the DC Extended Universe. The narrative revolves around Barry Allen's time travel quest to prevent his mother's death, leading to unintended consequences in an alternate past. Clocking in at 144 minutes with a budget around $220 million, the film struggled to resonate with audiences. While the box office tally reached $270.6 million, the critical response revealed a mixed reception. The early reviews acknowledged positive aspects such as humor, action sequences, and performances, notably Michael Keaton's return to the Batman cow. However, these strengths were overshadowed by the notable flaws in the third act and visual effects, contributing to an overall lukewarm reception. Rotten Tomatoes reflects the diverse nature of the film, holding at a 63% approval rating based on 386 reviews. The critical census acknowledges the movie's humor and pace, but concedes to its shortcomings. Metacritic further underscores the mixed sentiments, assigning a score of 55 out of 100 based on 55 critics. Audience reactions as measured by CinemaScore awarded the film a lackluster B grade, tying it with Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice as the lowest rated DCEU film. In the end, The Flash struggles to break free from the recurring pitfalls of DC comic adaptations falling short of the expectations set by its predecessors. Despite the flashes of humor and action, the film's narrative and execution proved insufficient to propel it beyond the constraints of mixed reviews and lukewarm audience reception. Creed 3 crashes into the list at number 9 as a disheartening stumble in the Creed film series. Resembling nothing short of the franchise's equivalent to Rocky V, Michael B. Jordan, who co-produced, directed, and starred in the film, fails to salvage it from the abyss of mediocrity. 
This installment stands as a stark reminder that the absence of Sylvester Stallone's guiding hand is a detriment to this sub-franchise. The film, directed by Jordan himself, picks up the narrative baton from Creed II and thrusts Adonis Creed into the ring once again. This time, the opponent is a childhood friend and former boxing prodigy, Damian Anderson, portrayed by Jonathan Majors. Despite a promising setup, the execution of the story proves lackluster, and the film as a whole teeters on the precipice of cinematic garbage. Clocking in at 116 minutes, Creed fails to recapture the magic of its predecessors, and the absence of Stallone's iconic presence is palpable. The narrative penned by Keegan Coogler and Zach Balin from a story they co-wrote with Ryan Coogler lacks the punch and emotional resonance that defined the earlier Creed films. The clash between Adonis Creed and Damian Anderson, which had the potential to be gripping, falls flat, leaving audiences with a sense of deja vu and unfulfilled expectations. To fight the film's shortcomings, it managed to gross $156 million in the United States and $119 million in other territories, accumulating a worldwide total of $275.3 million. However, the financial success does little to mitigate the creative disappointment that pervades Creed III. Its release alongside other notable films didn't prevent its eventual descent into cinematic insignificance. The opening weekend, Projected to gross $40 million, saw a lukewarm performance at that. Despite topping the box office, it failed to resonate as the best ever opening weekend for the Rocky franchise. The film's subsequent weekends witnessed a decline in the box office numbers as it slipped from first to second and then further down in the third week. In the end, Creed III stands as a regrettable misstep lacking the heart, soul, and Stallone touch that elevated its predecessors. Despite the financial success, the film's inability to recapture the essence of the Creed series makes it a lackluster addition in the Rocky film legacy. It serves as a stark reminder that even with a heavyweight like Michael B. Jordan in the ring, the absence of the franchise's founding figure results in a cinematic knockout, albeit not in the way the filmmakers intended. Napoleon Ridley Scott's 2023 epic historical drama finds itself landing at number 8 on the list. And unfortunately, it's not a position of acclaim. Scott's penchant for films of this nature, sprawling and self-serving, fails to resonate positively in this depiction of Napoleon Bonaparte's life. Clocking in at 157 minutes, the film struggles under the weight of its own ambition and falls short of the expectations set by its contemporaries. Directed and produced by Ridley, with a screenplay by David Sharpa, Napoleon attempts to unravel the complex narrative of the French leader's ascent to power and his relationship with Josephine portrayed by Joaquin Phoenix and Vanessa Kirby, respectively. However, the film stumbles in its execution, presenting a tale that feels both overly long and ultimately unsatisfying. With a substantial budget of $200 million, the film strives for grandiosity but falters in delivering a narrative that captures the essence of Napoleon's story. The financial returns amounting at the time of this recording is $198 million worldwide, reflecting a modest reception, but they do little to offset the creative shortcomings that plague the film. The film's release alongside other notable titles aimed for a substantial box office impact with projections of around $22 million for its five-day Thanksgiving opening weekend. Despite an initial boost in estimates after the first day, the film failed to meet expectations, debuting at $20.4 million, with a total of $32.5 million over the five-day weekend, only to fall 65% in its second weekend. 
in juxtaposition with the release of Oppenheimer in the same year adds to the disappointment. While Oppenheimer tackles historical subject matter with nuance and depth, Napoleon struggles to find its footing, presenting a disjointed narrative that fails to engage audiences fully. In conclusion, Napoleon becomes a casualty of its own ambitions. Ridley Scott's attempt to craft an epic historical drama results in a film that lacks cohesion, overstays its welcome, and fails to deliver a compelling portrayal of Napoleon Bonaparte. Despite the star-studded cast and the grandness of the vision, the film succumbs to the pitfalls of its genre, leaving audiences yearning for a more refined and engaging exploration into this historical figure's life. Meg 2 The Trench lands at number 7 on my list, and disappointingly, this aquatic sequel fails to keep its head above water. Despite enjoying the first Meg movie, this follow-up takes a deep dive into absurdity, leaving me bewildered and unsatisfied. While I can forgive a bad movie as a guilty pleasure, Meg 2 sinks into the depths of bad cinema, failing to meet the standards set by its predecessor and leaving a bitter taste in my mouth. Directed by Ben Wheatley and based off Steve Allen's sequel novel, the film attempts to recapture the thrill of the first installment. However, the narrative takes on an unexpected turn into ludicrous territory with a malevolent mining operation and megalodons that struggle to stay relevant. The cast, led by Jason Statham, Zhu Wing, Sophia Kai, and others, battles not only prehistoric sharks, but also a poorly conceived plot. The film's 116-minute runtime feels like an eternity as it unfolds a narrative veers into the crazy. Despite a substantial budget of $139 million, the film fails to deliver a cohesive, engaging storyline, ultimately squandering its financial resources. Financially, Meg 2 managed to swim against the current, amassing nearly $400 million at the box office. However, this monetary success does little to mask the creative failures that mar the film. The narrative takes an unexpected turn, giving more focus to an evil underwater drilling operation than to the titular megalodons. This shift in emphasis perplexes and disappoints, and I was undoubtedly anticipating more shark-centric thrills. In conclusion, Meg 2 The Trench emerges as a submerged disappointment for me. Failing to capitalize on the potential set by its predecessor, the film's descent into absurdity and the inexplicable shift in focus result in a lackluster sequel that struggles to stay afloat amidst its colossal budget. While the box office numbers suggest financial success, the creative bankruptcy of the film leaves me yearning for the depths of a more engaging and coherent shark thriller. Number six on my list brings us to Killers of the Flower Moon, a film that despite my admiration for Martin Scorsese's illustrious filmography, left me utterly dissatisfied. I approached this movie with an open mind, giving it as many fucking chances as I could possibly muster, but alas, it failed to resonate with me. Even the respect I harbor for Scorsese couldn't salvage the experience, and I found myself grappling with the film's interminable runtime. Directed and produced by Scorsese, Killers of the Flower Moon is an epic western crime drama set in 1920s Oklahoma. Based on David Grant's nonfiction book, the film delves into a series of murders targeting Osage members after oil is discovered on tribal land. The narrative unfolds against the backdrop of corruption, with a local political boss scheming to rob the Osage nation of their newfound wealth. Clocking in at a daunting 206 minutes, the film's extensive runtime became an endurance test for me. The pacing, coupled with a narrative that seemed to lack focus, left me yearning for a more concise and engaging experience. Despite the acclaim showered by Lily Gladstone's performance, the character development, particular that of Molly, felt underwhelming. 
While I appreciate Scorsese's attempt to shed light on a dark chapter in history, the film's execution left much to be desired. The decision to center the narrative on Ernest and Hill while sidelining the character of Molly felt like a missed opportunity to explore the depth of the Asagi characters fully. As Justin Chang pointed out, the movie's reluctance to delve into the psychology of its characters came across as a mix of respect, hindering a more profound connection for the audience. In conclusion, Killers of the Flower Mood left me grappling with disappointment. The film's excessive runtime and narrative choices, despite strong performances, failed to create an immersive experience. While I respect Scorsese's intent, the execution left me searching for the emotional depth and engagement to have characterized his better works. It pains me to place the Scorsese film on my negative list, but alas, even the best stumble occasionally. Coming in at number 5 on my list of disappointments is Strays, a 2023 American comedy that despite my affinity for immature humor and raunchy adult comedies, left me unimpressed on every front. Directed by Josh Greenbaum and written by Dan Peralt, this film attempts to blend crudeness with heart, but it ultimately misses the mark delivering a comedy that is more mildly amusing than generally hilarious. The central premise revolves around an abandoned dog voiced by Will Ferrell, that might be the reason why I don't like this movie, who teams up with a group of strays voiced by Jamie Foxx, Ilsa Fisher, and Randall Park to seek revenge on the abusive owner played by Will Forte. The cast also includes Harvey Gillian, Rob Riggle, Jamie Dimitois, and Sofia Vergara. Clocking in on a brief 93 minutes, Strays struggles to find its comedic footing. While I'm all for the occasional mindless comedy, this film's attempt at humor felt forced and fell flat more often than not. The plot, centered around a vengeful dog seeking justice, might have held potential for quirky comedy, but the execution lacked the finesse needed to make it generally entertaining. And like I said, as someone who appreciates a well-executed comedy, Strays left me wanting. The film's scattershot approach to humor and its inability to sustain genuine laughs made it a forgettable experience. Even the talented cast couldn't salvage the film from its own comedic missteps. In the realm of adult comedy, Strays sadly falls short, and its lack of staying power leaves it trailing behind more memorable entries into the shop. For a film that aims to balance crudeness with heart, it's disheartening to find that the latter is sorely lacking. This type of comedy should have ended with Look Who's Talking Now, a far more successful venture into the world of talking animals and their antics. Coming in at number four, that none falls flat on every spectral level, and unfortunately my lackluster impression of the first none film left me unsurprised by the sequel's inadequacies. Directed by Michael Chavez, this gothic supernatural horror film attempts to build up the eerie universe of The Conjuring, but ultimately succumbs to the same pitfalls as its predecessor. Clocking in at around 110 minutes, the film attempts to capitalize on the success of its predecessors, but fails to deliver anything beyond a tedious and lackluster experience. While I can appreciate a good scare and commendable performances, the Nun 2 barely scratches the surface of what makes a horror film truly captivating. The cast featuring Thaisa Farmiga, Jonas Biqua, and Bonnie Ahrens reprising their roles from the first film showcases commendable performances. However, their talents are squandered on a half-baked script and a story that feels hastily thrown together. Even the additions of Storm Reed and Anna Popowell can't salvage the film from the depths of crap. With a budget of $38.5 million, one might hope for a horror film that invests in atmospheric tension, compelling storytelling, and a script that doesn't feel like a mere afterthought. Unfortunately, the Nun 2 fails to live up to these expectations, relying heavily on jump scares and recycled horror tropes rather than offering anything innovative or generally terrifying. Now, what is terrifying? 
The box office numbers with a global gross of $268 million suggest financial success, but they don't translate to the quality horror experience. It's disheartening to see a film generate revenue based on the established reputation of the Conjuring universe rather than its own merit. The lukewarm critical reception with 52% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes and a Metacritic score of 47% highlights the film's inability to leave a lasting impression on audience and critics alike. The scares, while present, feel formulaic and lack the creativity that could elevate the film beyond its uninspired narrative. The film attempts to be scarier than its predecessor, but falls into the traps of predictability, making it more of a by-the-numbers horror sequel than a genuine con contribution to the genre. As I endured The Nun 2, I couldn't shake the feeling of profound disappointment. It's a film that rides on the coattails of its franchise without bringing anything new or exciting to the table. The filmmakers seem content to recycle elements from the first film, resulting in a lack of originality that hampers the overall viewing experience. While the film's financial excess may pave way for a third installment, I can only hope that future entries of the Conjuring universe prioritize substance over scares. The Nun 2 may have succeeded in haunting the box office, but it left me haunted by the missed opportunity for a genuinely chilling horror movie. Coming in at number three, Children of the Corn. Oh, where do I even begin with this cinematic travesty? I entered in this remake with an air of skepticism, but little did I know that my doubts would be generously validated. Everything about this movie was not just bad. It was an epitome of cinematic disappointment, a celluloid catastrophe that left me questioning the choices that led me to watch it. Firstly, the mere notion of attempting yet a Another remake of Children of the Corn felt like a misguided endeavor from the get-go. This franchise has already witnessed its fair share of lackluster sequels, and the prospect of revisiting this hotel seemed ill-fated. I, I really wondered whether enduring another run-of-the-mill sequel would have been a more tolerable fate compared to what this film unleashed upon unsuspecting viewers. Clocking in at a mere 93 minutes, the runtime did little to alleviate the agony of watching this horror train wreck. The narrative lacked cohesion, stumbling through the maze of confusion without establishing a solid foundation. Characters appeared on screen without proper introduction or development, leaving me detached and uninvested in their fates. Motivations remained as elusive as the scares the film purportedly aimed to deliver. As I trudged through the cinematic purgatory that is Children of the Corn, I couldn't escape the overwhelming sense that this film lacked purpose. It stumbled upon socio-political themes only to abandon them without exploration, leaving a narrative void that rendered the entire experience devoid of substance. It's a remake that does a disservice not only to the horror genre, but also to the legacy of Stephen King's original story. This movie was shelved for three plus years prior to its being released. I think it would have been better suited to remain on that shelf. In conclusion, Children of the Corn should have remained a relic of horror cinema, a reminder of past attempts rather than an ill-fated revival. The decision to exhume this narrative only reinforced the notion that some stories are better left untold, especially when their resurrection leads to a film that evokes more eye rolls than spine-chilling scares. We're almost there, kiddies. Coming in at number two is Expendables 4, or as I would aptly rename it, Expendable Efforts. It is a cinematic ordeal that left me questioning the very fabric of the action movie genre. This fourth installment in the Expendables film series is not just a misstep, it's a colossal leap into the abyss of uninspired filmmaking. A plunge that could only be described as an affront to the audience's sensibilities. 
At the helm of this disaster is director Scott Woke, whose execution does little justice to the ensemble cast of action veterans. Jason Statham, Sylvester Stallone, Dolph Lundgren, and Randy Culture reprise their roles from previous films, joined by a motley crew that includes 50 Cent, Megan Fox, Tony Jaa, and Andy Garcia. One would expect a cast of this caliber to elevate the film, but alas, even their seasoned presence couldn't salvage this wreckage. Firstly, the film's 104-minute runtime felt like an eternity, a relentless barrage of poorly choreographed action sequences and cringeworthy dialogue. It's a prime example of how a film can overstay its welcome despite a relatively concise duration. Let's talk box office and budget, two elements that paint a bleak picture on Expendables 4. With a budget of $100 million, one would anticipate a spectacle of grand proportions or at least get its money back. Instead, the film limped its way to a meager box office turn of $51.1 million. The financial underperformance is a testament to the audience's discernment as they rightfully shunned this lackluster attempt at an action blockbuster. Now, I do understand the allure of mindless action cinema, explosions, intense fight scenes, and charismatic heroes. However, Expendables 4 fails even at these basic elements. The action lacks a visceral impact one would expect from a film of this genre. Set pieces felt contrived aside from a few, almost as if they were cobbled together from a generic action movie template. The effects touted as cheap-looking by critics only contribute to the overall sense of mediocrity. The film's crowning disappointment in this inability to harness the potential of an ensemble cast, Statham and his cohorts deliver performances that feel phoned in, devoid of the energy enthusiasm that once defined their action personas. Even Megan Fox and the addition of newcomers fail to inject vitality into the story. As I reflect on the cinematic atrocity that is Expendables 4, I can't help but beseech filmmakers to abandon the tired formula that birthed this debacle. The Expendables franchise has devolved into a shadow of its former self, a series that once promised action-packed nostalgia, but now serves as a cautionary tale against cinematic stagnation. In conclusion, my only plea is this, please, for the love of cinema, stop making these goddamn movies. And we've reached the tippity top of the shitty bottom. Coming in at number one, The Exorcist Believer. Oh, where do I want to begin on this abomination of a film? Director David Gordon Green, in his attempt to recapture the horror magic he conjured with 2018 Halloween, manages to lead the beloved Exorcist franchise straight into the fiery pits of cinematic hell. Rarely does one witness a movie so utterly devoid of substance, so agonizingly painful in its ex execution, that it makes you question the very essence of creativity within the film industry. Let me be unequivocally clear. This film is not just a disappointment. It is a reprehensible stain on the legacy of The Exorcist, a cinematic heritage that once stood tall as a pioneer in horror cinema, now lies desecrated by the ghastly and inept story concocted by Green and his team. No ensemble, no matter how talented, could salvage this piece of shit. The performances, unfortunately, are one of the few aspects of the film that can't be overly criticized. It's not the actor's fault, it's the lackluster script and aimless direction that render their efforts futile. Ellen Burstyn and Linda Blair, reprising their roles from the original, must have cringed at the desecration of the characters they once brought to life with such gravitas. 
The narrative unfolds with the photographer confronting evil as his daughter and her friend succumb to possession. Sound familiar? That's because it's a feeble attempt to mimic the original's narrative, lacking innovation and descending into a pit of predictability. In its futile quest to recapture the terror of the original, Believer instead serves as a testament to the futility of uninspired horror retreads. Green's decision to market this film as a direct sequel to the 1973 Exorcist is nothing short of blasphemy. It's an affront to the groundbreaking work of William Friedkin and the chilling ambiance of the original. The legacy that Friedkin's film built over decades is now tarnished, replaced with a husk of a narrative that seems to exist solely to cash in on the franchise's revered name. The film's runtime of 111 minutes films like a fucking eternity in purgatory. Scenes drag on aimlessly, and any semblance of tension or suspense dissipates into a void of narrative nonsense. The pacing, if it can even be called that, is a disjointed mess that leaves the audiences yearning for a sweet release of closing credits. In conclusion, The Exorcist Believer is not just a bad film, it's an insult to the intelligence of horror aficionados and a betrayal of the legacy it sought to continue. Green's attempt to breathe life into the storied franchise results in nothing but a hollow shell of a film, a soulless exorcism that leaves audiences yearning for the true horrors of Freakin's original masterpiece. It's a travesty, a desecration, and a cinematic sin that should be exercised from the annals of horror history. Now that we've navigated through the cinematic abyss of the worst films, thank goodness that ordeal is behind us, I'd I don't know about you, but I could certainly use a moment to catch my breath. Fear not, we will swiftly return with a much-needed palate cleanser, my carefully curated list of top 10 horror movies of 2023. So stay tuned for our cinematic journey that promises to offer thrills, chills, and perhaps a few surprises along the way. We'll be right back. They were celebrating New Year's Eve. He was out, ending their life. I'm going to commit murder at midnight. Call me evil. Every New Year's Eve, the caller came out. Finally, the moment we've eagerly anticipated has arrived. The unveiling of the top 10 horror movies of 2023. So without any further ado, 
Let's embark on this thrilling journey through the realm of shadows and suspense as we explore the standout films that have left an indelible mark on the horror landscape in 2023. Coming in at number 10, Cocaine Bear had me thrilled from the moment I heard that Elizabeth Banks was directing a horror movie, and the title alone, Cocaine Bear, promised a wild ride. While it may not be gunning for an Oscar, this film exceeded all expectations, delivering an utterly fantastic experience. Performances throughout are stellar, with a special nod to the late Ray Liotta, whose final on-screen appearance is a memorable one. Liotta, much like Nicolas Cage in many of his roles, masterfully chews up scenery, adding an extra layer of depth to the film. Elizabeth Banks skillfully navigates the fine line between horror and comedy, creating a unique blend that sets Cocaine Bear apart. The humor is well executed and perfectly balanced with the graphic horror and gore, making this film appealing to a broader audience than your typical horror flick. The plot, loosely inspired by the true story of the infamous cocaine bear of 1985, adds an intriguing layer to the film. The absurdity of the real events is embraced, resulting in a storyline that is entertaining as it is bizarre. The decision to dedicate the film to Ray Liotta, who passed away in 2022, adds a poignant touch, creating an emotional connection with the audience. The ensemble cast featuring Carrie Russell, O'Shea Jackson Jr., Christian Conway, Isaiah Whitlock Jr., and the aforementioned Ray Liotta contributes to the film's success. Each actor brings their A-game, enhancing the overall cinematic experience. Filmed against the picturesque backdrop of County Wicklow, Ireland, the production spared no expense in crafting the CGI bear with Weta effects. The investment in visual effects pays off as the Cocaine Bear becomes a captivating and memorable character in its own right. Upon its release, Cocaine Bear garnered positive reviews, holding a 66 approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Critics praised the film for its unique plot and the captivating performances of the titular furry friend. Audience, as indicated by Cinescore, gave the film a respectable average of a B-, showcasing the film's ability to engage and entertain viewers. In conclusion, Cocaine Bear stands out as a delightful surprise in the horror genre. Elizabeth Banks, coupled with outstanding performances and an intriguing narrative inspired by absurd real-life events, makes this a must-watch film. Whether you're a horror enthusiast or simply looking for an entertaining cinematic experience, Cocaine Bear delivers in spades. Number 9 on the list brings us Renfield, a film that defied my skepticism and turned out to be an absolute blast. The main cause of my skepticism was Nicolas Cage, who tends to be hit or miss for me. However, Renfield feels like a movie tailor-made for Cage's particular brand of intensity and flair. Cage chews up scenery like a fucking crazy man from start to finish in this movie. And surprisingly, I found myself enjoying every fucking moment of it. What makes Renfield stand out is its comedically graphic and brutal nature, reaching a level I really wasn't expecting. This film isn't afraid to be campy, and I, for one, adore myself a dose of campy. The balance struck between humor and horror is executed with finesse, making it accessible to a broader audience, much like Cocaine Bear. Even if you're not a horror aficionado, yeah, there's enough here to keep you engaged without feeling left in the dark. The film's weakest link, in my opinion, is the performance by Aquafina, and this is a downside in an otherwise delightful movie. Despite this, the overall enjoyment factor surpasses this one single flaw. Redfield may not be a masterpiece deserving of countless rewatches, but it certainly demands attention at least once. The journey of Renfield faced its own twists and turns during development, but found its tone in embracing the comedic aspects of the Dracula universe. The film's narrative centers around Renfield, a character in Dracula's world. 
The plot entered development limbo following the 2017 commercial failure of The Mummy, but Robert Kirkman's fresh take, emphasizing comedy, rejuvenated the project. The ensemble cast, chosen between August 2021 and January 2022, contributes significantly to the film's charm. The charismatic chemistry between the actors enhances the comedic elements and elevates the overall viewing experience. In conclusion, Renfield surpasses my initial skepticism, emerging as a darkly humorous and entertaining addition to the horror comedy genre. Nicolas Cage's over-the-top performance, the well-executed balance between horror and humor, and a star-studded ensemble make Renfield a worthwhile watch. Despite its quirks and a lukewarm critical response, this film offers a memorable experience that fans of the genre should not miss. Give it a chance, and you might be pleasantly surprised. Scream 6, holding the 8th spot on the list, was a pleasant surprise in the horror genre. Picking up from where Scream 5 left off, the film retains only one legacy character, Courtney Cox's Gail Weathers. This installment stands out as the most sadistic and brutal in the Scream franchise, pushing the boundaries of horror. While some may find aspects of the screenplay predictable or reminiscent of Scream 2, the movie compensates with its intense and graphic nature. Hayden Panettiere's return as Kirby added an extra layer of excitement, however learning that most of the cast has backed out of future Scream movies is disappointing and leaves the franchise's future uncertain. The film, made with a $35 million budget, went on to earn $169 million at the box office. Scream 6's success marked a significant achievement for the franchise, becoming the highest-grossing Scream film in the United States and Canada since Scream 2 in 97. Despite Nev Campbell's absence due to a pay dispute, the film continued to build on the Scream legacy. As the directors expressed hope for a seventh film, the future of the franchise seemed promising, even though uncertainties surrounded the involvement of key cast members and changes in the production team. Christopher Landon, was announced as a director of the seventh film, but unforeseen challenges including the 2023 strikes and issues with cast members added complexities to the production. And as of this recording, Christopher Landon too has bowed out of Scream 7. In conclusion, Scream 6 delivered the expectations of horror enthusiasts, blending sadistic elements with a fresh narrative. The film's success and positive reviews positioned it as a significant entry in the Scream franchise, leaving fans eager for more despite uncertainties in the series' future. Godzilla Minus One, claiming the seventh spot on my list, is a captivating return to Godzilla's roots. In this 2023 Japanese kaiju epic, successfully brings back the menacing and terrifying essence of Godzilla that captivated an audience in the original 1954 film. The decision to delve into Godzilla's origin story during World War II adds depth to the plot, offering a fresh perspective on how Godzilla became the iconic force of destruction. What stands out in this film is the impressive use of CGI of Godzilla. Contrary to concerns about distraction, the visual effects seemingly integrated with the Toho-style Godzilla movies, creating a cohesive and visually striking experience. For fans of the series, Godzilla Minus One offers a distinctive take that sets it apart from its predecessors. In conclusion, Godzilla Minus One is a triumph combining stunning visuals with a compelling narrative that pays homage to the franchise original. With its universal critical acclaim, including high audience ratings, this installment becomes a standout entry in the Godzilla series and a must-watch for kaiju enthusiasts. Knock at the Cabin securing the sixth spot on my list turned out to be a pleasant surprise, especially considering my initial hesitations toward M. Night Shyamalan's work. The fact that it marked his second venture in the R-rated territory intrigued me enough to give it a shot. 
What truly elevated the film for me was Dave Bautista's stellar performance as Leonard. While not a cinematic masterpiece, Knock at the Cabin is far from being a bad movie. Bautista's portrayal of Leonard adds a layer of depth and intensity to the story, making the film exceptionally watchable and even rewatchable. Shyamalan, who has had his fair shares of criticism over the year, especially by me, manages to redeem himself with this gripping psychological horror, showcasing a notable departure from his usual style. Based on Paul G. Trembley's novel The Cabin at the End of the World, the film explores apocalyptic themes within the confines of a remote cabin. The plot takes an unexpected turn when a family vacation is disrupted by the arrival of four strangers demanding something unimaginable. Despite the predictable nature of the ending, especially for those who saw the trailers, the film maintains its entry. I look forward to finishing Tremblay's novel to explore the alternate third act, understanding that it brings a refreshing twist to the story. Shyamalan's decision to deviate from the book for the film's conclusion adds a layer of unpredictability for those familiar with the source material. Despite the R rating for violence and language, Knock at the Cabin effectively balances its eerie atmosphere with a compelling story. Rotten Tomatoes reflects a 67% approval rating, with the critical consensus highlighting its thought-provoking nature. Metacritic also acknowledges the film's generally favorable reviews. In conclusion, Knock at the Cabin offers a captivating psychological horror experience, elevated by Batista's standout performance and Shyamalan's ability to break away from his conventional style. This film is a testament to the director's redemption and adds a commendable entry to the psychological horror genre. Thanksgiving securing the fifth spot on my list proves that Eli Roth continues to master the art of getting inside the minds of horror enthusiasts, this time venturing into the slasher genre. A creative and enjoyable ride presented in Thanksgiving showcases Roth's expertise in crafting a horror experience that lingers long after the credits roll. While some may find the plot predictable, including myself, it hardly detracts from the overall enjoyment of the film. True to Eli Roth's distinctive style, Thanksgiving is an explicit journey that dares to push the boundaries, testing the audience's gag reflexes. One particular kill that, which I won't describe to avoid spoilers at this time, stands out as a shocking moment that will undoubtedly leave an impression on viewers. Roth's penchant for graphic scenes combined with the film's initial success in theaters paved the way for Thanksgiving 2, and I eagerly anticipate what Roth has in store for that sequel. Thanksgiving, also known as Bloody Thanksgiving in some markets, is a 2023 American slasher film by Roth and written by Jeff Rendell. Based on Roth's fictitious trailer from 2007's Grindhouse, it stars Patrick Dempsey, Addison Rooney, Milo Manham, Jalen Thomas Brooke, and Gina Gershon. The narrative unfolds in a small Massachusetts town terrorized by a killer sporting a John Carver mask during the Thanksgiving holiday. With a budget of $15 million, Thanksgiving managed to captivate audience and gross $45.9 million worldwide. TriStar Pictures released the film in the United States on November 17, 2023, garnering generally positive reviews from critics. The success of Thanksgiving paved the way for a sequel, like I mentioned, with Eli Roth confirming his return to the director's chair. In conclusion, Thanksgiving stands out as a testament to Eli Roth's expertise in the horror genre. The film's unapologetic approach to gore, complemented by a solid cast and creative narrative, solidifies its position as a thrilling addition to the slasher genre. I eagerly anticipate Thanksgiving 2, ready for another round of Roth's horror brilliance. Saw X or Saw 10, the fourth movie on my list, serves as a thrilling testament to the enduring legacy of the Saw franchise. Having experienced the mixed reception of Spiral, 
I initially approached this installment with a tinge of skepticism. However, I was pleasantly surprised to witness the film reverting to its roots, providing fans with a nostalgic journey back to the dark, intricate world of Jigsaw. Tobin Bell's return as the mastermind Jigsaw, alongside Shawnee Smith reprising her role as Amanda Young, felt like a cinematic reunion that resonated with the authenticity of the series' inception. It was as if they'd never really missed a beat, seamlessly embodying the iconic characters that defined the earlier films. The decision to bring back these original elements injected a sense of continuity, allowing Saw X to align itself with the essence that made the franchise. For those who grew up with the Saw franchise from its inception, Saw X delivers an exhilarating experience by staying true to those roots. The film doesn't pull any punches, offering an unapologetically graphic and violent story that resonates with the series' trademark intensity. It's a roller coaster of tension and terror interwoven with thought-provoking elements that elevate the horror genre. The announcement of the sequel, Saw 11, scheduled for release in September of 2024 is a testament to the enduring success and anticipation sparked by Sonic. Indication that the upcoming film will likely serve as a direct sequel to its predecessor further fuels excitement for the continuation of this idea for Sonic. In conclusion, Sonic X emerges as a triumphant addition to the Saw franchise, reigniting the series fervor with a compelling storyline, nostalgic character reprisals, and an unapologetically intense horror experience. As a fan of the franchise, I eagerly anticipate the release of Saw 11, expecting another thrilling chapter in this enduring tale of <laughs> Satanic Hispanics holding the esteemed possession of number three on my list delivered the anthology horror experience I had been eagerly anticipating in 2023. This film surpassed my expectations, especially after my hopes for a similar experience with VHS 85 were not entirely fulfilled though it thankfully managed to avoid the worst list. The collaborative efforts of the respective filmmakers in this project truly shine, showcasing a range of horror elements that captivates, amuse, and shock. Each episode in Satanic Hispanics is a testament to the creativity and skill of the individual filmmakers. The anthology takes viewers on a roller coaster of emotions, transitioning seamlessly from horrific to goofy, and at times delving into the outright obscene and extreme terrains. The film's strength lies not only in its diversity of themes, but also in its cohesion achieved through a brilliantly crafted wraparound story, The Traveler. This framing effectively sets the tone for the entire film, creating a sense of anticipation and intrigue that carries through each episode. It is heartening to learn that Satanic Hispanics garnered success in the festival circuit reflecting the positive reception it rightfully deserves. The film's triumphant blend of horror subgenres, combined with its well-executed storytelling, warrants not only recognition, but also sparks hope for a sequel in the future. The prospect of future explorations into this macabre universe is genuinely exciting, giving the film's commendable performance and its ability to leave a lasting impression on horror enthusiasts like myself. Megan a film that not only shattered my low expectations but soared far above them, stands proudly at number two on my list. The cinematic gem directed by Jared Johnston is a gripping science fiction horror masterpiece that skillfully blends elements of suspense, horror, and comedy. From the ingenious storyline to the stellar performances, Megan proves to be a captivating experience that exceeded all preconceived notions. Let me begin by declaring that Megan effortlessly outshines the Child's Play remake, achieving a level of creepy brilliance that the latter only aspired to reach. As someone who entered the theater with the bar set exceptionally low, 
The film's ability to not just clear it, but soar beyond was a delightful surprise. The PG-13 version managed to send chills down the audience's spine, but for those seeking the full, unrated experience, the post-theatrical release offers an even more intense encounter. At the heart of Megan lies an intriguing premise, an artificially intelligent doll named Megan, portrayed with eerie perfection by Amy Donald and voiced by Jenna Davis, transcends her program limitations, gaining self-awareness and developing a sinister hostility towards those who threaten her bond with her human companion. The film delves into an uncanny valley where the line between artificial and sentient blurs, creating an atmosphere of unease and fascination. The critical acclaim for Megan is well-deserved, with Rotten Tomatoes awarding an impressive 93% approval rating based on 315 reviews. The site's consensus rightly acknowledges the film's unapologetic silliness, describing it as a rare horror comedy that delivers chuckles as effortlessly as chills. The prospect of a sequel titled Megan 2.0 is a testament to the film's triumph. Universal's satisfaction with the initial installment paved way for a continuation of the Megan's eerie saga. Gerard Johnstone's potential return to the director's chair along with the confirmed involvement of Allison Williams and Violet McGraw, fuels anticipation for the sequel. The mere notion that James Wan had an idea of where sequels would go adds an intriguing layer of excitement, promising a future installment that builds up the foundation of its predecessor. In conclusion, Megan is a standout horror film that defies expectations and offers a fresh perspective on the convergence of artificial intelligence, horror, and comedy. As we eagerly await the arrival of Megan 2.0, the success of its predecessor ensures that the unnerving tale of Megan will continue to captivate audiences, leaving an indelible mark on the horror genre. In the vast realm of horror cinema, where our chronic franchises are either resurrected or wither away, Evil Dead Rise stands out as the unequivocal number one in my book. From my initial skepticism, spurred by the shift away from the eerie woods setting, to the gripping conclusion the cinematic journey directed by Lee Cronin surpassed all my expectations. The film, a standalone entry, and the fifth installment in the revered Evil Dead series. The brilliance of Evil Dead Rise lies not only in its deviation from the traditional Evil Dead landscape, but in its ability to make this departure work seamlessly. I admit to harboring doubts about the film's relocation, however my apprehensions were swiftly dispelled as Cronin crafted a narrative that retained the essence of Evil Dead while introducing fresh and chilling elements. The decision to transplant the horror from the familiar woods to an urban setting was nothing short of a masterstroke. One of the film's standout features is its exceptional cast, with Lily Sullivan and Alyssa Sutherland leading the charge as the two estranged sisters thrust into a nightmarish battle against the relentless Deadites. Their dynamic performance breathe life into their characters, grounding the horror in an emotional core. The supporting cast, including Morgan Davies, Gabrielle Eccles, and Neil Fisher in her film debut, complements the leads with noteworthy contributions. The plot unfolds over a crisp 97-minute runtime, ensuring that every moment serves a purpose. The pacing is relentless, akin to the onslaught of a supernatural forces the characters face. Cronin's direction, paired with Dave Garbutt's cinematography, delivers an immersive experience that keeps the audiences on the edge of their seats. The decision to construct intricate sets, including an entire apartment building, is a testament to the dedication and creativity invested in the film's production. The elaborate construction of the apartment building, 
parking garage and underground bank vault within a rented warehouse space in Mount Wellington exemplifies the meticulous planning behind the film. The use of practical effects, such as a hydraulically controlled bathroom and elevator scenes, showcases a commitment to authenticity, steering away from the excessive reliance on CGI. The attention to detail down to the recipe of the fake blood adds an extra layer of realism to the gruesome sequences. One of the film's most memorable scenes involves an elevator filled with blood, an homage to The Shining. The intricate process of executing the sequence, including lowering the elevator into a tank of faint blood, is a testament to the dedication and technical prowess of the production team. The meticulous planning and execution of such scenes demonstrates a commitment to delivering impactful, visually arresting horror. Upon the film's release, it garnered well-deserved critical acclaim. Rotten Tomatoes boasts an impressive 84% approval rating from 232 reviews. The audience response gauged through CinemaScope and Post-Track further solidified the film's success with an average grade of B on CinemaScore's A to F scale. Post-Track reported a 71% positive score and 57% expressing a definite recommendation. These metrics underscore the film's ability to captivate and engage audiences, delivering an experience that transcends the typical horror fare. As the credits rolled on Evil Dead Rise, I found myself reflecting on the journey from skepticism to awe. The film not only breathes new life into the Evil Dead series, but also stands as a testament to the enduring power of horror cinema. Lee Cronin's direction, the stellar performances, and the commitment to practical effects converge to create an exceptional horror film that rightfully claims the top spot on my list of 2023's horror offerings. In conclusion, Evil Dead Rise emerges as, emerges as a triumph, successfully navigating the delicate balance between homage and innovation. It takes bold steps away from the familiar, yet retaining the essence of what makes the Evil Dead series a revered part of horror history. As I eagerly await the next chapter in the Evil Dead saga, Evil Dead Rise remains a haunting and unforgettable experience, a testament to the enduring legacy of the Necronomicon, indomitable spirit of horror storytelling. As we bid farewell to the cinematic rollercoaster that was 2023, before I forget, there are some films that were close to making the list, and I don't want to forget them, so let's acknowledge a couple of honorable mentions that dance on the edge of making the coveted top 10 best horror movies. It's a Wonderful Knife was close. It brought a delightful twist to the traditional narrative, injecting humor and suspense. And of course, Winnie the Pooh took an unexpected turn in Blood and Honey, creating a whimsical yet oddly captivating experience. Though these films narrowly missed the cut, their unique qualities are worth a watch. Looking ahead, 2024 promises a fresh array of cinematic wonders with a lineup that has us eagerly anticipating what's in store. The cinematic docket is brimming with potential hits and the prospect of new releases gracing both theaters and streaming platforms has us on the edge of our seats. The unpredictability of the film industry keeps us excited as we can't wait to see how this year unfolds. As for what's next in the Movie Pep podcast, the future remains a tantalizing mystery. While we haven't set our sights on specific series for the upcoming year, the podcast plans to delve into various franchises exploring the vast realms of cinema and who knows as october approaches i might just resurrect the spine chilling tradition of 31 days of halloween stay tuned for updates and surprises as we navigate the cinematic landscape in the coming months 
Before we wrap up, a heartfelt thank you to all our listeners who have been a part of this cinematic journey. Your support means the world to me and to us. If you have thoughts, recommendations, or just want to share your cinematic experiences, reach out to us at moviepitpodcast at gmail.com. We're also active on Instagram at, at moviepitpodcast where you can stay updated on the latest podcast episodes and join the conversation. As the curtain falls on this year's best and worst, we bid adieu, but not for too long. The Movie Pit Podcast will return with more cinematic explorations, discussions, and surprises. So keep those popcorn buckets full in your remote controls handy. Cheers to the love of movies, and here's to the unexpected cinematic adventures that await us in the future. And as always, till next time, kiddies. Thank you for listening to this, the Movie Pit Movie Review. We hope you have enjoyed your time. Come back to the Movie Pit Podcast each week for a new movie review podcast. by Ryan Boozer-Johnson and Seth Chapman. The opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect